Hello everyone, welcome back to the Weekly Whitney, a Bacon Wire podcast. I'm Lucas Whitney, once again joined by my amazing wife, Cassie. Hello everyone. We got a pretty full show today. We did something a little different, like we teased at the end of the last episode, where we kind of picked a movie that we both liked from one actor, and we're not going to spoil it right now, but we both picked a movie from one actor that we liked that I enjoy more than Cassie does, but she watched a movie that he's in that she thought was actually pretty decent, or not as bad as she thought, and I watched a movie with him in it that I'd never would see unless I had a girlfriend or were married. I did see What's it. What's that supposed to mean? I wouldn't watch this movie if I were a single man and bored. Hmm, interesting. But it was actually pretty good once I found out who was all behind it and who wrote it and who scored it, so that made it a little better for me. We're going to get into it by doing some movie news first. The big one that happened this past week, it kind of got buried, but Margot Robbie is attached to star in a new Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and from what I've read is that it's going to be just like a whole new story underneath the Pirates of the Caribbean name. It's going to be... I think it's going to be an all-female cast. Okay. It's separate from the already announced franchise reboot, which is interesting. So they're going to make two Pirates movies at one time. But this one, she has her Birds of Prey writer, Christina Hodson, who I think they work pretty well together. That was a decent movie. It was a decent movie. It was better than I thought it would be. And... I'm all for it. I think Margot Robbie, this kind of fits her. I think it's going to be a good movie, or at least it should be entertaining like the Johnny Depp movies were. I mean, I'm, I will see it, and I like Margot Robbie. This is nothing against her. But I do think that big studios like Disney have a tendency to say, well, our last movie in this franchise didn't do so well, so you know what we should do? Make some more and see if it's better. <laughs> I mean... To be honest, I like the first couple Pirates movies, but I didn't think we needed, what, five of them? I didn't yeah. thought that was excessive. I think you can only go so far with a Pirate storyline. Right. At least with those characters, then you kind of got to start fresh. Yes, yeah, so like, I, I guess I appreciate that they wanted to start fresh, but I also kind of think it's too soon. Like, I don't think anybody was asking for this. And, and it's two movies, too, so I, I wonder if they're going to kind of pivot from this, because... Maybe they'll see which one comes out first, and if it bombs, they might just kind of abandon ship, not to joke, not to make a pun, uh-huh. bail on it, or just try to go cheap the rest of the way and put it on Disney Plus or something. I guess we'll have to see if these two movies will do great in the box office, or if they're going to make them walk the plank. <laughs> Kevin uh, from The Tonight Show, Jay Leno, laughed. <laughs> Have you seen anything weird about this? Oh my gosh. So Disney's goal is to make Pirates of the Caribbean great again. They're going to have the hats out at Disney World and Disneyland. So we'll we'll see how that goes. I'm I'm curious. I'm curious more than anything. I, I look forward to the Margot Robbie version more than the other one. I guess I will say that I always will applaud Disney for making a whole franchise out of an old ride. That's pretty brilliant. An old ride that you just go to to kind of cool off and relax more than anything. Yeah. It's not scary. It's not intimidating. You just sit there and relax. And they made a whole franchise out of it. <laughs> hey, they made it made a crap load of money. Even the even the older the newer ones did. No, I don't know how they're. I know COVID kind of impacted that, but 
they tried to do the same thing with Jungle Cruise recently, and I don't know if that panned out too well for them. It's it actually got pushed back a year, so oh, it was, it? It was so supposed it to come out. out it was supposed to come out the end of July. Now it's like next July. Mm, yeah. That another piece of news that I definitely harped on last week was the Michael Keaton news that he's in talks to be Batman in, in the new DC universe. They're still ongoing. Nothing's final yet. And someone, I, I can't find the tweet. I don't follow him or anything. I can't. I couldn't look for it because so many people are talking about this topic on Twitter. But there's a rumor that if talks with Michael Keaton fall through, they're not going to pursue George Clooney. They're not going to pursue Val Kilmer. They are rumored to offer Christian Bale a blank check and say how much would it take to come back as Batman. He won't do it. I don't think he'd do it, but if he did... Not without Christopher Nolan. If he did, I'd shit my pants if I saw him in Batman, in the Batman suit again in the theater. There's no way he'd do it without Christopher Nolan. Yeah, and I, I think he and Chris Nolan have a have a mutual agreeing that like the story's complete. I would I would really be floored if he did that. If he did this it, wasn't, didn't Christopher Nolan want to make another one, and Christian Bale was the one who was done? No, they were both done. It was just a mutual agreement. It was it was set out to be a trilogy between the two of them, and I Chris Nolan would probably talk to Christian and say, I don't know if you should do this, but I mean, if Warner's offered him like fifty million bucks. You can't really turn that down. But he probably would. I think. But Chris, I mean, like, when you have money and you're acclaimed, I mean, what's, if you already have $50 million, what's $50 million more? And he's got what an is, Oscar. What are you going to do with that, you know? Right. I I don't think he's going to because pretty soon he's going to start up filming um, Thor 4, Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. He's the, I don't know, we don't know what he is in the movie. He might be Beta Ray Bill, which is a big villain. He might be someone else, but... Um, I get the feeling that for Christian Bale, like, uh, quality means a lot more than quantity for him. Yeah. Because that's... He wouldn't do any other Marvel movie except for one with, like, Taika. Oh, he, like, he's amazing. Yeah. Like, that, he wouldn't touch that. He wouldn't touch Marvel. And, like, when it was announced last summer, I was floored that he was going to be in a Marvel movie. But excited. I still think Keaton's going to sign on. I think they're just working out the details. If they did go after Bale and somehow get him, I think it would send shockwaves and it'd make people think differently about the Nolan movies. I would still treat them as their own, but there would still be those people slamming it because, you know, they think Bale sold out or something. But maybe there's part of him who wants to come back to it, but the only way I think he would come back is if in five, five six years he's older, he's even more old than he is now. And Nolan and him do The Dark Knight Returns, which is an incredible story. And involves an old Bruce Wayne and Batman picking up the suit again. That would be awesome to see. But that that's the only way it would happen, and it's not going to happen. Are there any other actors that are in the DC and Marvel Universe? Because if Michael Keaton is Batman, then he'll be in both. Like, in the new universes. Yeah, because he's uh, Vulture in Spider-Man. Yeah. And he's still there. He's still, like, around somewhere. He's in prison. And some sad news on the tenant front. It got delayed again to August 12th, which is a Wednesday. I'm not going to bet money on it. I don't think this movie's coming out until October at the very earliest. I think October 2nd is going to be the move. They're going to move Wonder Woman to November 25th. And Dune just gets kicked out of the schedule. 
I don't see this movie opening up anytime soon. I don't see theaters opening up anytime before October because the second wave of COVID appears to have happened now as opposed to the fall. It seems like it's here because of all these states reopening and all the people going to bars and like that. And, you know, people not wanting to wear a mask at all. Right. Like the jo- the Jobby Nooner thing in, in the Detroit area where all those people are like on one tiny-ass island for the whole day. I'm, I'm curious to see what the numbers will be in two weeks. Am I the only person in the world who doesn't know about it? Well, I don't know the details about it, but I know it's like some big, like, rave party that's like near the Detroit area. Oh, God. And a shit ton of people were lined up on this small island. That's just partying scary. and doing, doing sex and all that illegal stuff. Doing sex. <laughs> I just don't think we're going to have movies for probably two, three more months. I, I, I'm being pessimistic now. I think Tenet will still open up theaters, but I think it's going to be October. Nope. I mean, there's a there's a good amount of people who are trying to do their part and still social distance and still wear a mask. And then I think for the same number of people you have doing that, there's the number of people who aren't at all. Right. I... I want to say this, if you're on Twitter and you see people saying Tenet should be released on demand, I think you're a fool if you believe that, because why the hell would Warner Brothers release a quarter of a billion dollar movie on demand and lose so much money? They would not do that. Well, I mean, Warner Brothers aside, Christopher Nolan has a very specific vision for his movies in which he is very passionate about the size of the film that he shoots on, right. he would not allow that to just be like on someone's phone. Like that would make him <sighs> cringe and more probably. I'd I'd be really disappointed if it came out on demand first. I mean, I'd watch it in a heartbeat, but I'd be really bummed out. And I'd hope they do a re-release of it someday. I think, I think he would rather release it in a year than release it on demand. That's what I was gonna say. Is my worst nightmare would be being delayed to July twenty twenty one. But if it has to happen... I think your worst nightmare is being released on demand. No, because then I see it this year. But, like, if I have to wait another year for it and it comes out in IMAX and, like, there's a vaccine and it's pretty much back to normal, I'm okay with that. Because he could film another banger this year and next year and have a Nolan movie in 2022 also. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, but I don't think he's going to do that. He takes his time. When Lucas told me it was delayed, I offered my condolences to him... In which he tried to act like he was not hurt by it at all. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm I'm starting to think that we're not going to have movie theaters until the fall. I You don't have any response to what I said? I was trying to be strong for our family. <laughs> and be the man of the house and not, not be upset. But, you know, am I bummed? Sure. But... It's oh, big- come on. The movie you've been looking forward to for, like, a year was going to come out on your birthday. It's bigger than a movie, though. Like, I'm just starting to kind of... I'm starting to throw the white flag. Like, say, just whenever it's safe, release this movie. Because people are starting to blame Nolan for it being released early. And it's like, this is probably Warner Brothers saying, we got to get this shit out here. Yeah. we got to make our money back. But the movie is apparently two and a half hours long, so I could see them releasing it in October and having a ton of screens on each theater... And they'd probably make their money. They'd probably make a billion dollars off of it. Yeah. Cassie's got the floor for this next little bit. Um, I watched the second season of the Ryan Murphy show, The Politician, on Netflix. 
The first season was really good. I enjoyed it. I wasn't really expecting anything from it. It sort of came out of, out of the blue. I didn't hear about it or anything. And I thought, like, hey, there's, like, some people I know in this. I'll check it out. So second season, I was looking forward to it since I really did like the first one. Um, the, the basis of the plot is there's a kid who in the first season is in high school. Second season is in college um, who just really has dreams of being president one day. And so he's he, the first season bases on his um, election for class president. And then there's obviously, like, scandals and things like that. Um, but it's on a high school scale. In the second season, he's running for state senate in New York. So that's obviously a little bit bigger of a scale. And he's running against the mom from Who's the Boss? Judith Light. Thank you. Judith Light, whose campaign manager is Bette Midler. So there's some bigger actors in this uh, second season. But... Word of advice, don't follow Bette Midler on Twitter. She's a great actress, icon, but just do yourself a favor. I think well, she's a little out there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but the the word that I would phrase the second season as is thruple. If you don't know what a thruple is, it's a three-person couple. Um, oh. For some reason, that's a very huge theme in the second season. That's right. Which, if you had told me that, Ooh. I would have been like, okay, there's one thruple, right? I walked into but that But not scene. trying to do spoiler alert or anything, but there's multiple thruples in this. And... <sighs> It kind of blew me away, because I don't think I've ever seen that in a TV show before, ever. Let alone multiple quantities. Yeah, let alone a lot at once. I, I happened to sit down and, like, I think I came home and, like, it was on, and I'm just like, the hell is this? Yeah, so, I mean, it was a it was a very different second season. I mean, that aside, I thought that this second season was more streamlined than the first season, which I actually did not appreciate as much, because... What I liked about the first season was that it was multiple storylines that were pretty different from each other, and then they happened to coincide at the end. Hmm. This one seemed very, like, election, 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 and there wasn't too much stuff going on on the side. I don't really have comments, but it, I would watch the show if I was bored and had nothing else to watch. But Ryan Murphy, in my mind, always has a great first season, mm-hmm. like an epic, critically acclaimed masterpiece first season. And then his second season's okay, and then like when he gets to three and four, he just kind of peters off and runs out of ideas. Yeah. That seems to be the general consensus about him. I do. I mean, things I appreciated about both seasons of the show so far is that it's very colorful, so it's very interesting visually to watch. Um, and it is fast-paced, so you're definitely not bored. But yeah, and this is going for a person who doesn't really even like politics, so. Right. What would you give both seasons out of a hundred? Together or separately? Separately, or maybe together, whatever you want to do. I guess separately I would give the first season a good 80, and the second season I would give, like, 70. Still watchable, though. Definitely both are still very, very watchable. Okay. But, yeah, I, I did appreciate the first one more, for sure. Yeah. Hopefully season three isn't a complete pile of crap, because it sounds like it's trending towards a 60 or so. Yeah, and I mean, I guess if we're talking about Ryan Murphy, like, you know, the first season of uh, American Horror Story is one of the best seasons of a show I've ever seen in my life. But, you know. I didn't watch it, but I heard it was amazing. You know, there's only maybe one or two other good seasons of that show, and I stopped watching it, honestly, because it it got to be a lot. Now it's like one of those shows that they just kind of chug out. Right. Like, Like, Call of Duty used to be really fun. It used to be like every couple years. 
and now it's like a Madden NFL game. It comes out every year yeah. on time, and it seems like that's what happens with American Horror Story. Well, and, like, I'm a pretty good size fan of Lady Gaga, and I tried to watch the hotel season that she was on and did not care for it. Hmm. So, I mean, you, you can give it a go, but it might not stick. Very, very niche in some of those seasons. But I guess that's him. A One of our millions of listeners, one of our number one fans... Juan Salinas, shout out to Juan. He had this post, and I want to touch on it. And since I just watched the Jamie Fox movie yesterday and and today, spoiler alert, it's it's kind of perfect timing. Juan posted this on the Weekly Whitney's Facebook page, and I quote: "So this was just talked about between myself and Leslie, his wife. Shout out Leslie. But I saw that Jamie Fox will be playing Mike Tyson in an upcoming film." We both think that Jamie Foxx is a great actor, and I consider him one of the best currently in Hollywood, but others on a post I saw consider him subpar at best. My suggestion, I would love to hear from you guys on the podcast what are your thoughts of him as films and where you rate him in Hollywood. I'll let you go first. So first of all, thank you to our friends Juan and Leslie for the suggestion. We really want to pod what you guys want to hear, so we appreciate all the suggestions and Um, Anything else you guys want to throw our way, we're happy to do. I mean, I really like Jamie Foxx as an actor. I I can't think of too many things I've seen him in where I haven't been impressed. I think I should think of him more uh, as an actor than as a singer, which I don't know if that's how everybody sees him, but that's that's my opinion. Right. Um, I think I don't know too much about Mike excuse me, Mike Tyson enough to make the call on whether he'd be a good. Do you want me to, to weigh in on it? Get it? Ha ha ha, yeah. I, I'll, I'll let you go ahead, though, with like the rest of your thoughts about Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx, I think he's a very underrated actor. To, to say he's subpar is really stupid. He won an Oscar for playing Ray Charles in 04. He had a pretty good year in 04 with Collateral, Ray. Uh, he was in Ali a couple years earlier, which I still need to see and we plan on watching. Uh, he was in Any Given Sunday so many good movies that I'm not going to list you know there's just a, a ton that he's been in I think he's a great actor he's a very I mean I don't know if I'd call him a chameleon but he's he never makes a movie bad that he's in like even the horrible bosses movies he's really he's, funny in that movie he's really funny yeah he's great in those movies law abiding citizen he was really good in it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, but I did see The Soloist in theaters. And if I'm not oh, mistaken, yeah. that was him and Robert, Robert Downey. Downey Jr. And that was a very powerful movie. I enjoyed that very much. Never seen it. It's been a long time, so I, I can't like give it a rating or anything, but I remember liking it at the time. Uh, just looking at the two, Jamie Foxx and Mike Tyson, uh, it's nice that Mike Tyson has given him his blessing to play him because there's some... We've seen some biopics where they, the person being portrayed doesn't like it. Like Mark Zuckerberg in The Social Network. I don't think Mark Zuckerberg would have liked anybody. No. That's my opinion. But just if you look at the two of them, I can see Jamie Foxx, if he bulks up enough, to get it close. Like, I'm not asking him to grow a couple more inches and steroid out to look as amazing, amazingly chiseled as Mike Tyson was but he can do it well I mean we, we just pull a picture of them like side by side and 
you know, from what I can tell, at least with the face, the face, yeah. you can totally see it. They yeah. have similar facial features to where I could believe that he could play him. There's going to be some prosthetics around the, like the nose, the nose and the ears. Cause Mike Tyson, his face is just bigger. I could see it happening. Like I can right then there. And he's a great actor too. So it's not like they just put some athlete in and said, be me because that movie would suck. Well, and as we've seen from biopics time and time again, it doesn't really, the how you look part doesn't matter as much as the mannerisms and capturing who that person is as a human. Like uh, Taron Egerton as Elton John. Yes. Was I, phenomenal. I mean, they don't really look similar at all, in no. my opinion, but, you know, you believed it was him because he captured his essence. And he should have been Oscar nominated for it as... You thought Rami was good as Freddie Mercury. I think Rami Malek did a good job of portraying Freddie Mercury. I don't think the movie was very good, but I thought his portrayal of him was great. It's very cookie cutter. And I mean, it's a tribute to a dead person, so it right. should have been. He's not here to like give the say-so to be like, yeah, you can take a little artistic liberty. Right. Like with Sasha Baron Cohen, he bowed out of being Freddie Mercury because he couldn't get into like more of the drugs and the sex. Well, I still think they covered that, though, in my opinion. They didn't overdo it, but they, they still did it. They still they didn't say that he was an angel. <laughs> right. You know, you, you see him having sex with multiple people, multiple places, and, you know, doing drugs. They yeah. just, maybe it wasn't, like, a focal point, but they still showed it. Right. So I think that's part of what Juan was saying, too, is... You know, I think it's a great choice to play him, and that—that's my thought on it. Is as soon as I heard the news, like, yep, I see it. Yeah, absolutely. I—I I hope they don't. Mike Tyson seems pretty open about his past, and like he went to prison for rape, and he was in jail a ton when he like before he was like 15, 16. So, I'm kind of curious to see how they handle those parts. Now, I'm not saying you need to go in depth with them, but. I think if you can get a little more gritty with a guy like Mike Tyson and and touch on stuff like, obviously, the Evander Holyfield biting his ear off in the ring. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what everybody knows him for besides his uh, cameo in Hangover. They sh- that's what I was going to say. The, the movie should end with uh, Todd Phillips and him showing up to the set of The Hangover. That'd be funny. Yeah. But Jamie Foxx is a great actor. His filmography is incredible. Yeah. Like, the ones that stick out to me... I mean, yeah, looking at the list, it's it's kind of it's intimidating. Huge. Any Given Sunday, Ali, Collateral, Ray, uh, Miami Vice, The Kingdom. I thought that was a good movie. The Soloist, Law Binding Citizen, any other ones you want. Uh, Valentine's Day. Django. He was in Due Date. Yeah, Rio, Horrible Bosses, Django Unchained, White House Down, which is a bad movie, but like I'll watch it if it's on TV. I didn't think he was great in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but that wasn't his fault. That movie's a big pile of crap. Okay, I actually, I'll say about that movie, I enjoyed his performance because you don't get to see him like that a lot, and although the movie sucked, I enjoyed watching him in it. Hmm, okay. Because it was so different. I mean, if you haven't seen it, he plays a nerdy scientist who's turned villain from being shunned. Yeah. Who's like a big time Spider-Man For being like socially shunned, basically. Yeah. So I think to see him like, I mean, really being a quote unquote nerd like that was cool because he's such a cool guy normally. And he never was a villain that much either. 
Well, yeah, but he's, I mean, he's destroying shit and whatever. So, yeah, he's yeah. a little, he's a little miffed that Spider-Man didn't remember his name or something like that, right? Yeah. He's great in Baby Driver as well. Now that one, yeah, that one is. He's a he's a straight up villain. He he's is a an mean in that piece movie. of shit in that movie. Yeah. And he's also going to be in the new Disney Pixar movie coming out in November at the moment, Soul, which I can't wait for because Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are scoring it. Oh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm I'm really pumped for that. But to sum it up, he's an incredible actor. I think to call him subpar, I, I understand taste is subjective, and you may not like his movies. But to, to call him subpar is really stupid. I, th- I think he's one of the best actors I've seen, honestly. He's multi-talented. He's multi... I mean, <laughs> do we remember how he got his start? In Living Color. In Living Color. Where and Jim Carrey did. Yes, but he's all... I mean, I remember him playing that... Uh, I don't remember her name, but he would dress up as this woman and then basically be like, hey, baby, and like be on a date or something. And Wanda? Ha- Maybe it was Wanda, and like had these really like crazy buck teeth and like a really bad wig with like obviously fake boobs in the dress. It was hilarious. So I yeah. mean, to see him come from like you know a funny, silly little thing like that to what he is now is pretty impressive. Right, and like he's he's been on TV and movies, and he has a music career. Like he's a multi-talented artist. He's he's a top ten actor, and and my if I had to rank him, yeah. Maybe someday we should do a top ten actors list. That'd be oh, yeah. that could be a good episode. Yeah, absolutely. And and Juan, if you want to chip in, put your top ten actors on a list. We'll have you on the pod. You could come on. You could we could do a Zoom call or something. Mm-hmm. That's just my thought. Jamie Foxx is an incredible talent. I can't believe he's fifty two years old. <laughs> I do want to say that lastly, one of the things I really appreciate about him, especially after just recently watching him. Um, in Collateral, he thinks about what he's going to do. And you can see that in almost every character he plays, I think especially highlighted in Django. Yeah. He has he has a face where you know his wheels are turning, and then you're really anticipating his next move. Right. And I think that that's pretty brilliant. Oh, my... Yeah, he, he won Academy Award for Ray Charles, and he was nominated for Collateral, which... If you see the movie, you can see why he was nominated for it. Mm-hmm. But I did not know that. I totally forgot he was nominated for that movie. I actually have a confession. I haven't seen Ray. Me neither. I've always wanted to, but I've never made the we, time. We should, we should watch it. Yeah. Um, so, thanks for the content, Juan, and open invite if you want to come on and talk movies or whatever the hell you want to talk about. Yes. And Leslie, too, obviously. Yes. We're going to move on to our uh, final segment. Tom Cruise, very polarizing person, not just actor. You know, he had a very, very crazy ass mid two thousands with being a Scientologist out in the limelight with Scientology and being, you know, in crazy in love with Katie Holmes and like jumping on Oprah's couch, just being a madman. But he has a pretty incredible resume when it comes to action movies, like. The Mission Impossible movies are really good. There's no bad Mission Impossible movie. You know, Days of Thunder, Top Gun, Risky Business is a decent movie. There, there's definitely a couple I'm think I'm forgetting. I think A uh, Few Good Men is what he was in. Rain Man. Rain Man. He was great in one of his first, one of his earlier roles. He, I think he's a good actor, and I really like watching his movies, except for The Mummy, which was a big pile of shit. I don't think that was his fault, but. 
It, that was, just a, it was partially his fault. <laughs> but Cassie has a very opinionated stance on Tom Cruise. I do not like Tom Cruise. <laughs> I will just straight up say it. I think that he is an overactor. I think he has a personality that shows through in all his roles in which he thinks he is the best person in the room at all given times. Huh. I I see him as very arrogant, which is basically a Napoleon syndrome based on how short he is as a man. <laughs> I guess I should also give a little backstory on why I feel so strongly about Tom Cruise. He reminds me of the worst ex of mine, who I will not name names, but I think this person knows who he is and knows that he can, you know, go to hell. Eat a dick. And no, I'm not bitter. <laughs> but it's the it's the energy that I see coming off him always that's just very egotistical. And I think maybe it comes from, like, the fact that he does his own stunts and all that stuff. Um... I just think that's crazy, and he's basically the character that he plays in Tropic Thunder is how <laughs> I think he is in real life. Less Grossman. Or the character in uh, Magnolia that he plays when he's the, um, the, I don't know what you call it. I never saw Magnolia, so I can't help you on that one. But the kind that you, like, go to a seminar for. That's my best content to give you. Yeah. Anyway, very... <laughs> very egotistical jerk in both of those roles and I just think that anytime I see him I just want to turn the TV off because I think he's full of shit. Yeah. We agreed on Tom Cruise to watch one movie from both parties that we liked of his. I watched with Cassie a movie called Far and Away. It's from 1992 directed by Ron Howard stars Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman who he was married to at the time. About two years into their marriage. Yeah, pretty young marriage. Scored by John Williams, who's the GOAT. It's about... What What would you say the plot is? I think you can wrap it up. You can sum it up better than I could. I would say could. it's an epic. So this follows Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, who are both Irish immigrants. Tom Cruise's family comes from a farm community with no money. And Nicole Kidman's family are landlords who have a lot of money in yeah. Ireland. But they both immigrate to America. This is like the 1920s, maybe, 1900s, where they're still, I would say, fairly looked upon, looked down upon as Irish immigrants at the time. Right. Um, like, people in Boston were like, I won't, I won't uh, pay the Irish or, like, hire yeah. Irish and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, it, it follows their journey into finding uh, land. And during the land rush for Oklahoma... And during that time. So I would say that's that probably sums up the plot. It is a little bit of a romance in there if you didn't guess that by a husband and wife starring together. Yeah. But I mean, I, I kinda wonder what she she meant by epic, but like I totally got it the more the movie went on. Yeah. There's a lot of different locations they shot at. And it was it cost sixty million back in nineteen ninety two, which I'm sure was pretty damn expensive. Yeah. For that absolutely. time. And I'm sure part of it was Tom Cruise's salary. Well, but period pieces, I think, um, take a little bit more to make because you have to fabricate everything. It's harder right. to to say, like, oh, well, this looks like it did, you know, 80 years ago. Because guess what? It doesn't. Yeah. You know? I thought it was a really good movie. Uh, I gave it a 75 out of 100. I, f I felt like it dragged a little bit, and it was two hours and 20 minutes long. Like, there were some parts where it could have been tightened up. 
but it didn't it didn't bore me at all. I I thought you know normally this is a movie that I would seek out and watch. I, it was a little weird to see Tom Cruise in an Irish accent, kind of like in Valkyrie. He's supposed to be a German um, spy for Americans, but he's supposed to be German, but he just talks with his regular accent. So I thought he was just going to talk with his regular Typical accent. Typical Tom Cruise arrogance. Uh, maybe maybe they tried a German accent and he's like, I can't do it. You and know. I think they should have cast somebody else who could. Anyway. Anyway, I do... I'm usually the person who says that a movie is too long. But in this case, I think that it was right on with it. And I'll say it just because the kind of movie it is, epics are long. You're following someone's a good portion of their life story. Right. So it's supposed to feel long. You're supposed to feel like you're going through all those life events with them. In their case, you know, their life in Ireland, and then immigrating, falling on hard times with no money, and then, you know, eventually seeking back into, like, prosperity with getting their own land. Yeah, the land run of 1983 was depicted. Yep. Which was a real thing when when the uh, western part of America was starting to be discovered a little bit more. Yeah. And basically taken, but... Yeah, I, th- I think taken is the appropriate word. Yeah. I thought it was a very good movie. Length was a little... It was a little long, but I get what Cassie's saying, so it's not like I'm gonna... That wasn't my main deterrent. I didn't think this was Tom Cruise's strongest suit, but I give him credit for trying something like this. But there's always... Like Cassie said, what did you say about Tom Cruise in this movie? He did there's, it, and I didn't think he would. There's always a scene with him aggressively running in almost every movie, and sometimes it's necessary, like in Mission Impossible. I can totally understand why he's running in this movie. No. Didn't think a straight-up shot of him running was necessary. Yeah, it wasn't needed. It really wasn't. If you took away that whole scene of him running, the movie still would have made sense. It's probably in his contract. He needs to be running for at least two minutes in every movie. He's a good runner. Just It just goes for my point, though, that he thinks he is, like, the baddest, most agile, coolest freaking dude on the planet, and he's not. I mean, he's 57. If you can still do it at 57, go for it, man. Well, think about this. I don't think his age has too much to do with it, in my opinion, because you're just, uh, his celebrity status, he has someone, he's probably has multiple people cooking for him. Yeah. He has multiple people training him. Yeah. You know, he's giving, worth half a billion dollars. Giving him like literally everything the human body would need or want. So he makes zero of those choices for himself. He basically tells them, guess what? I want to be the fittest man in the whole world. And then they make it happen. Yeah. I I like him. I mean, I can, like, it's kind of the, the, the argument people have with, like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not comparing Tom Cruise to someone like Bill Cosby or Michael Jackson. But on the lighter, on the much lighter version of like separating the person from the work, I like a lot of his movies. Like he has, he like with Jamie Foxx, he has a great filmography. He's been in a lot of really good movies. I guess and, that's just something that for me it's hard because I feel like his person comes across so strongly in his roles. That's fair. Uh, motivational speaker. That was what Damn I was trying it. to think of. Yeah. In Magnolia, he is a motivational speaker. Yeah. Um. I, I will say personally, as as far and away goes, what I really love about this movie is the chemistry and the characters that Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise play, because I feel like with both of them being stubborn Irish people, yeah. that it's very fun to watch them banter and then even have a hard time admitting their feelings for each other. I really enjoyed watching that, like, 
as as a young girl and even now I think that's fun to watch and the movie's actually a lot funnier than I remember it being there's a lot of little quips and jokes in it that I didn't remember so that was fun yeah it ended really well and I thought it was going to end really horribly and I was about to be really mad but it it ended <laughs> it ended much like the beginning did with his father so I thought it was a really nice tie-in yeah. And that made a little bit more of an epic movie. Like, you, you kind of get that rap, nice, nicely wrapped story at the end. Right. Absolutely. Really good movie. It's on HBO Max. Yep. And hopefully, speaking of HBO Max, we get it on Roku sometime in the near future. But anyway, the next movie we watched was a 2004 banger starring Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx called Collateral. Jamie Foxx, he is a cab driver. He's a very OCD cab driver. Really good at his job. Max DeRocker. Very clean, very neat. Yes, like a clean freak. He, he takes pride in his work. I and used to see him cleaning the cab. And I guess every I time. didn't realize this about cab drivers. And I mean, now it's a little different because of Uber and all that. But um, cab drivers don't have their own car. Nope. They just drive what the company gives them. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this is your like at like at an office, you say this is your desk, right? Right, and then that's your desk every time you come to every work. Day it in this case, it's like a different car every day they come in, or it could be every day, right? But sometimes it's not. But like, so I guess then I'd be OCD too if I was a cab driver. Yeah, um, he's trying to make his make his way in life. He's trying to save up for like a limo business, and he, you know, he has a couple passengers along the way, but there's one that really, really ruins his day and almost ruins his life. But there's one that makes his day right before yeah. the end. Like, he, he meets a woman his age, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, who does a pretty good job in a small role in this movie. But, like, they kind of flirt and stuff, and he gives her, he, she gives him her business card because she's a U.S. attorney. And the next person he picks up is Tom Cruise, whose name is Vincent. He's a hitman. You know what, too? To his disadvantage... He almost didn't pick him up. Right. He's almost like... He was He was uh, looking at his fare, like at his uh, laptop. No, he was eating. Yes. Yeah, he, he was, was eating. eating real quick. And the guy's like, oh, I'm not going to bother you. Like, that's what Tom Cruise says to him. I'm not going to bother you right now. He's like, no, it's all right. You can, you can get in. It's fine. Yeah, because he had his light turned off. Like, yeah. I'm not being serviced. But if, it's just amazing. Like, he just said, yeah, I'll take you. And Vincent has, like, five or six people on his um, laptop that he has to kill. You don't really know why, and I like that. Like he, it makes Vincent more intimidating, and kind of disturbing. Like you don't know where he comes from. He says he's from out of town. Mm-hmm. It's very vague, but like you still get enough out of the character to where you're like nervous for Jamie Fox throughout this whole night because it starts out like you know, hey, Jamie Fox is offered like six hundred bucks for the night to hang out with Vincent and do these stops because he says I'm a real estate agent. And right. and you know I gotta I gotta have people sign some documents. And he's like six hundred bucks. You make three hundred a night, six hundred bucks. Well, because Jamie Foxx is supposed to be like rent for the night. He's a right. really fly customer, so right. that's why he says like, "Hey, I'm not supposed to do that." Right. Regulation. Like, My boss is gonna be upset with me. They agree on it, and basically Vincent right away like a person falls on his car from Vincent killing him, and you have Mark Ruffalo in a in a smaller role as Dude. as a detective trying to find this out because people everyone else in his in this detective circle think that Jamie Foxx is killing these people like he's just the hitman but Mark Ruffalo is like there's definitely more to this story 
Right. And I thought he was really good in a small role because, like, he, you know, you could be the stereotypical cop of, like, oh, I believe you, but I think he kind of had that doubt at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he played it well enough. It's a pretty small bit role, but I think he played it well enough. Well, I think something he mentions at the beginning is that there was a case similar in the recent past mm-hmm. where there had been a cab driver who, like, they thought killed all these people. And he's Unsolved. like, oh, that's weird. That, like, doesn't really add up, you mm-hmm. know. The night gets worse for Max because Vincent... And but Max is like trying to like get away from him a couple times. That tell like, people that like, hey, this guy's killing people. Like the, these crackheads like come up to his car in an alley and they handcuff Jamie Fox and are like about to kill him. And Vincent ends up like killing them execution style, like two in the sternum, one in the head. Mm-hmm. And like that's when the movie kind of takes an even bigger turn up. Is like this is crazy. Like Vincent's just like I'm gonna do what it takes to get my mission done. You will not mess it up. I feel like several times during this movie, the tables turned for their relationship. Because mm-hmm. before, it was like Jamie Foxx was just a victim. And then as soon as Vincent killed those men for him, those crackheads... He was an accomplice. Then it was like, oh, well, does he care about me? Like, is that why he did it? But this man literally did just save my life. He really didn't care about him, but he knew he was integral. Right. And he would squeal on him. So, yeah, and then I think that's... Now you're indebted to me because I saved your life. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a thing. Yeah, and he's like, actions have consequences. Those men didn't have to die. But you but you were honking your horn and stuff. Yeah, you got their attention yeah. to seek out help, and now they're dead. It's like, you didn't, they didn't have to die. It just, it takes these crazy turns. Like, there's a lot of stuff that happened that I didn't remember. And so it was like I was watching the movie for the first time again. And it's very lean. It's like an hour and 55 minutes. I really like this movie. I forgot how fucking good it was. I give it a 90 out of 100. It's it's my favorite Michael Mann movie. And I like Heat a lot, but Heat's really long. Heat's like three hours and 15 minutes. I'm all, I'm all for the story, <laughs> but I really don't think there's any scenario in which three hours and 15 minutes is appropriate. Right. It's a good... It, the, Heat has a good story, though, so it, it doesn't feel like three and a half hours. It's good though. It's we'll have to watch it. I believe you when I watch it. The one thing I love about this movie is the guns. They sound like real guns. Like they don't sound like the. the well, the whole movie is very realistic. The way mm-hmm. that he shoots, it's realistic. Um, the grit of the film is real, and then also there's. I'm not trying to ruin the movie or anything, but we'll just say it's a, it's a 16 year old movie, yeah, so we can true. spoil it. They're fi- they're firing guns at each other at the end in a subway car. And you just see gun flashes, like, because it's relatively dark in the subway. You don't know, you know they're both firing at each other, but you don't know who's who's been shot. And right. they just, he lives in that moment, like, there's no face or anything. You just see, like, gun and then the gun flashes. And I think that's a really cool way, because it's a big moment. It's been built up. And you think Tom Cruise is going to kill him because he's about to go for a second clip, but he can't do it. Right. Because he's been shot fatally in the stomach, and he just is like, he admits defeat. He's well, like, I'm done. Even even when you see him go reach, like move his arm from the, you know, gun pointing position, mm-hmm. that's only when you start to see the blood on his shirt. Right. So, like, that's even revealed slowly. But it doesn't, the way he does it is realistic, though. Mm-hmm. So it's like, not this huge cinematic thing where you can kind of predict what's going to happen. You know, right. it's like you're looking for the clue instead of the camera telling you. Do you think it was shot with like a filter? Because it looked kind of grainy. Looked um, a little more gritty. 
the grit can come from low light, which can be purposeful, but then also they could put a filter at the end over all the footage. It was a very dark movie. Like, there's a lot of dark, like, light, so not, with, not dark, I mean, it is a dark movie, but, like, it's not daylight. Well, the grit probably was then from the low light, if I had to guess, because it seemed like they were, had a real cab, you know, they were... Really shooting at, like, the middle of the night. Yeah, and it might not have been, like, a real street, but it was a street set mm-hmm. at dark, mm-hmm. so he tried his best to get, like, as close to real as he could. That's what I saw it as, anyway. Right. I I really like this movie. It's it's phenomenal. It was good. I did, I've never seen it before until now, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, like, and I was right there with her a couple of times, because she's asked me, does this happen? I'm like, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, and a couple of people that we didn't remember being in it, Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem is Felix, who is a drug lord that Jamie Foxx meets in a club after him and Vincent kind of go at it on a um, a bridge over a highway. It doesn't end well for Vincent's data and information, but Felix gets Felix and uh, Max get it back for him. Jason Statham is in the beginning. Yes, very very briefly. He like barely has a role at all. He's the airport man. He drops the uh, the bag for Vincent that has all of his info yeah. and weapons in it. Well, that was interesting. That must have been like right at the start of his career because. He had a lot. He, he, he was had still balding. A-line and he looked pretty young. He was still balding, but he definitely had a healthy head of hair. Yeah. Um, that was not the typical bald statham. And I didn't realize the other detective with Mark Ruffalo was Peter Berg, who, who's directed a shit ton of movies. Yeah, I recognized him. I didn't I, realize I that. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but I did recognize him. Yeah, that's Peter Berger, Berg. Yeah, that's Peter Berg, who's done like. Friday Night Lights. He's done a couple Mark Wahlberg action movies. A couple other ones I'm think forgetting about, but yeah, he's played like a football coach before. Yeah, I yeah. think he's a good director. I mean, he he kind of oh he did make Battleship. That movie sucked. Well, yeah, we all have our misses. Yeah, I give it a ninety out of a hundred. Uh, Cassie, what did you give it? Uh, probably eighty. Okay. This kind of movie usually isn't up my alley, but I really enjoyed the performances by both people. So that was that was really what made it enjoyable for me. Right. That's... I thought Jada was good in it too, but yeah, her role wasn't super huge. She was more of like a, a a caveat at the end that made it more interesting instead of like a full character. Now, what did you think of Tom Cruise in this? Since he's the polarizing person between us, I thought that it was appropriate for him to play a man who was a hitman. Which number <laughs> one, I think most hitmen think they are. Mm-hmm. more sly than the average person because of their line of work. And he says that in the movie. He's mm-hmm. like, I do this for a living, Max. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we had the classic Tom Cruise running scene. So, I guess overall I felt that it was very Tom Cruise, but I guess because <coughs> he was a villain, I didn't hate it because I felt like it fit him right. as a person. Like, you'd probably hate the movie if he were Max. Yes. And I, yes, because he always has to be the savior and has to be the best and in this case he thought he was the best and then he got killed at the end and i thought that was great (laughs) wow a fun fact about this movie russell crowe was attached to play vincent at first and adam sandler was signed on to play max but sandler signed out due to conflicts of scheduling with spanglish and jamie fox stepped in i have such a soft spot for spanglish Russell Crowe, I could totally buy as Vincent. I actually can buy both of them in those in that role. I think that would and, have been a different <clears throat> movie, 
But I think it would have been believable still. And I argue that Sandler's a top ten actor when he wants to act. Like, Uncut Gems, you may not like, you may hate it. And I'm sitting next to someone who hates that movie. Absolutely hates But it. he can act in that movie. Like, when you give him something good to work with, he will knock it out of the park. I mean, have you ever seen... <clears throat> Punch Drunk Love, uh, Rain Over Me. Rain Over Me and Spanglish, I think, are the, my top excuses for the fact that he is actually a brilliant actor. He, like, that that's the point. Like, he, he farts out these Netflix movies where they go on vacation. I mean, he can. <clears throat> but when he wants to do it, he'll hit a home run out of the park every time. I will argue to my dying day that Big Daddy is not just some, like, slough-off comedy film. Like, it has its stupid moments, but... As heart. At the, yeah, at the root of it, it's heart. And it's about him caring for someone other than himself, which prior to the kid entering his life, he couldn't do. Right. Wow, there are a lot of people attached to this. <clears throat> Cuba Gooding Jr. was offered the role. He didn't feel right for the part of Max. I feel like Cuba Gooding Jr. is always, like, could have been man. But he wasn't, But, yeah. but he's just not. Yeah, and that was about it. Val Kilmer was going to be Detective Fanning, played by Mark Ruffalo, but he left to star in Alexander, and Mark Ruffalo took the role. Oh, fun fact about Jason Statham's character in the movie. The director of The Transporter revealed that Jason Statham was portraying Frank Martin, the transporter character, in that role, or in oh, that scene. Oh, I like that. So I guess he and Michael Mann kind of agreed, like, sure, let him be the transporter. I like that. That's good. So that'd be kind of cool, like the transporter, like Collateral is is part of the transporter universe. Yeah, and Michael Mann is a good director. He directs some pretty crappy movies, but he's he's mostly done a lot of really good movies. Like <clears throat> this one, The Insider, Heat, Manhunter, Public Enemies. I like that movie. Not a lot of people do. I think Public I, Enemies is a good movie. I really hate that movie, actually. <laughs> and his best movie is The Last of the Mohicans. That's that is, a great movie. That's a great movie. Fantastic. That gives him a lot of leeway. Do you have any more thoughts about, about these two movies? Or I mean, I guess <clears throat> final thoughts on Tom Cruise. <laughs> he is an asshole. Basically, neither of these movies changed my mind about him, but I think the only reason <laughs> that I like him as a hero in Far and Away is because he it is a young Tom Cruise, and the movie shows him... Being good at like athleticism because he's a boxer for a minute, but then also getting the shit kicked out of him. So right. I feel like it's a good mix of like he's just not the perfect perfect physical man in all the scenarios. It's a good mix of both. Right. So I appreciate that, and plus I think Nicole Kidman's good at like the witty banter with him. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't just let him be the air asshole. Right. So that's probably the only. Only Tom Cruise movie where I appreciate him being not the villain. Well said. I still think he's an all-time actor. I don't, I don't know if I put him top ten on my list, but I'll watch any movie of his that like I've seen before. I can understand why people like movies of his, like Mission Impossible. I get why that's a cool movie. Like the Mission Impossible gadgets are super neat. Like I remember watching it for the first time and like. This message will destroy itself in 10 seconds. Like, that's, that's kick-ass. Who didn't like that, you know? And good supporting cast, too. Yeah, absolutely. But, man, I just can't stand him. So, that's hard for me when Lucas wants to watch the new Mission Impossible, and I'm just like, dear God, more Tom Cruise. That wraps it up. Uh, we actually record on time, and this will be dropped tonight, too. It's Sunday, June 28th. I will have it out in a couple hours. 
Maybe we should do top ten actors. Brandon okay. has given us the shout out to do our top five guilty pleasure shows. I don't know if I'm qualified for that. We can come up with a list together, I think. So maybe that'll be next week. Yeah, maybe you could do one and I could do one. I mean, I could figure some out. Yeah. I've got one off the top of my head, but we'll uh, we won't reveal that here. So mm, tune in next week, folks. Yeah, <laughs> we will be back next week, and hopefully, I don't have more sad news about Tenet. Otherwise, I hope everyone's staying safe and being healthy. And if you can wear a mask, wear it, please. And please be respectful of others in social places. Yes. They have the six-foot markers for a reason. There's no need to be right, right and, up on somebody. And, a, like, if a cough travels, like, eight feet. A sneeze travels, like, 25 feet. Right. If you don't have a mask. You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for others and being a decent human being. I think it's just respectful. If you really... In a public place. No one's asking you to do it, like... Right, at home. When you go visit your mom or something, you know? But, but like, just be a nice person. That's all we're asking. But, like, if you really have a good reason to not wear it, whatever. That's the way it is. Yep. On that note, we will talk to you next week. And happy 4th of July weekend. Yes. To everybody in advance. Hope you have fun and don't blow your hand off and, and playing with fireworks. And be respectful of your neighbors if you light off fireworks at, like, midnight or one or two in the morning please don't do that and if aliens invade just you know try to rewatch independence day and do what will smith did and jeff goldblum and jeff goldblum yes oh i kind of want to touch on independence day next week so we're going to do that that's us signing off thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next weekend Bye.